step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Broadcasting from scenic Ann Arbor, Michigan, this is The Korea File, a bi-weekly podcast about music, culture, and society from around the peninsula. I'm Andre Goulet. On this episode... In 2004, an agreement was reached between the United States and South Korean governments to relocate the United States forces Korea from the heart of Seoul to Camp Humphreys, outside the mid-sized city of Pyeongtaek, and to a second major garrison outside of Daegu. The process, scheduled to be completed next year, will consolidate more than 28,000 troops into two regional hubs and will transform Camp Humphreys into the largest U.S. Army garrison in Asia. As the population of the garrison increases from 12,000 soldiers, family members, and contractors to 37,000 in 2016, the city of Pyeongtaek, in cooperation with the central South Korean government, have developed ambitious plans. These include a major Samsung semiconductor chip plant, the world's largest fuel cell power plant, an expanded maritime port, a free economic zone, as well as tens of thousands of new housing developments. UC Berkeley's Bridget Martin is researching the links between militarism and urbanization in South Korea. In the second of our two-part conversation, she talks about the intensity of South Korean urban redevelopment, the goals behind USFK base consolidation and restructuring, and the historical relationship between American military bases and South Korean society. Bridget, let's take a moment to frame what's going on in Pyeongtaek right now. How would you describe that? Sure. There are a lot of big development projects going on in Pyeongtaek right now. And it is, it has actually been my project over the summer to figure out, or to try to start figuring out what's driving all of that, all of those projects. And I look at them from a territorial perspective. And I should point out that your academic Mm. background is geography, right? Right. I'm a, I'm a third-year PhD student in geography at the University of California, Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. So frame it a little more. So when I first arrived, I'll just tell it through my personal <laughs> journey. When I first arrived in Pyeongtaek, I um, tried to make a map of all of the projects going on. So you have a place called Brain City. You know, you have a place called KDP, KDB Utoplex. You have all these, you know, Godak New International City, Yellow Sea Free Economic Zone, Pyeongtaek Lake Tourist Zone, you know, a whole bunch of housing complexes, Pyeongtaek Port. And this is all happening in this 452 square kilometer area, which just, you know, makes you wonder, like, what, what's going on here? And I was originally thinking about the uh, Camp Humphreys expansion as just another project. Um, but actually, there was a special act passed in 2003 that went into, atta- into effect in 2004 that lifted a bunch of the development restrictions in Pyeongtaek. So there's been this sort of development craze happening, um, and not to mention the fact that the central government gave a bunch of money, like billions of dollars, 
for various projects around the city. So it looks like Pyeongtaek is booming. It's hard to say if it really is. There's a building frenzy going on right now. I mean, the city, and I think the central government too, expects the population to grow to 860,000 people. You know, that's like a nearly a doubling of the population. And where are those people going to come from? If you look at the population statistics, something like 200,000 of the people that they're hoping to get they are categorized as working in the construction industry and in the building industry. So they're building houses to house people who are building houses. <laughs> so who knows if the... I mean, the apartments will fill up eventually, but you know, it, it really runs contrary to the myth that Korea doesn't have enough land. That's why we have to build these high-rise apartments. Mm. You know, the building, the, building will ha- the planning is happening, and they're just hoping to draw people to the locality. This is commutable from Seoul. It's about an hour outside mm. of town, so... I mean, it, it, it just becomes another part of the greater metropolis. You know, I thought that, and a lot of, and I'm thinking now specifically about the Godok New International City Project, which is meant to um, be home to like 140,000 people. And like, you know, most new city projects in Korea are um, planned by the central government because they want to facilitate decongestion of this whole area, right? But actually, I talked with someone from LH, and a quite high-level person working on that project, and he said, no, actually no one's going to, you know, people are not going to come live in Pyeongtaek and buy these apartments and then commute to Seoul, no way. This new city project is basically compensation to Pyeongtaek for accepting the base. Exactly. So there, part of all this expansion is the spinning of the base expansion. Now, the Camp Humphreys and the uh, Osan uh, Air Force Base, the American military is restructuring and has Mm. been for like a decade. So what they're doing is consolidating uh, uh, troops on the peninsula into fewer areas around Mm -hmm. the country, including um, in Pyeongtaek. So this base will be expanding dramatically, pretty, pretty 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 big expansion. Pretty big expansion. So yeah. the the Pyeongtaek stuff, which is all about that urban uh, expansion, is happening hand in hand with uh, the the base expansion. So I want to talk for a minute um, about the association we have with Korean cities where there's major American military installations. Mm-hmm. You talked about the bars, the sex uh, trade, um, mm-hmm. the uh, the basic carousing, um, and then the fact that you have. Uh, hundreds or thousands of people who aren't really engaged in their community mm-hmm. in maybe that productive of a way. Mm-hmm. Not that there's not things that the American military would do in a communal way, but um, so what other Korean cities have developed into being essentially base cities? Um, actually, Dongducheon up in Area 1, which Area 1 is basically all of all of the installations up by the DMC. So Dongducheon is the best example of that, and that's where um, Camp Casey is. Um, it's actually, I don't, I, through my research, <laughs> have discovered it's not actually quite accurate. It's not totally clear whether or not the, con- the consolidation is going to happen, because what they did up in Dongducheon is they started... Um, just sending deployed troops there. So these are single guys, young guys, and I'm mostly guys, that's why I'm using that term, but who, you know, really have, you know, not a lot to do outside the base besides maybe, you know, hit the bars. Mm. Um, Whereas, you know, soldiers who bring families or soldiers who have more long-term investment in the area might have um, 
more to do off base. Right. Um, I, I think besides what's going on in Area 1 and what's going on in Pyeongtaek, um, I don't know... I actually don't know that I can answer that okay. about other bases. Mm-hmm. Like, what's basically what's been happening in relation to basing in Korea has been the, the expansion and contraction of these like camp town areas, mm-hmm. because since the Korean War, the base structure has basically been the Cold War structure. It's like a lot of little bases all over the place, especially up near the DMZ, and so this consolidation. Um, process is happening in a moment when South Korean redevelopment is, you know, as everyone who visits this country can see, pretty intense. Mm-hmm. So that's really the intersection I'm trying to look at, and that's really apparent in Tech. How well does the American military integrate in Korean mm-hmm. society, or how well has it integrated historically? Um, I could really only speak to what's going on in Pyeongtaek. Mm. Um, I just actually last night interviewed probably around 15 people, um, almost all men and almost all white men, actually, um, of different ages. And I'm going to expand my my sample once <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to go out again next Friday. It was just, you know, who was there at the, at the moment. But um, I think there's a lot of frustration um, from members of the military who are stationed in Pyeongtaek. Um, they feel misperceived um, especially by Koreans that don't want them here Um, and they also face a few structural barriers that don't allow them to get out into the community like you know newly enlisted or or non-ranking members can't have cars, they have to fill out 9 or 10 pages of paperwork if they want to leave the neighborhood and they're all sort of corralled into these areas which turn into camp towns like you know, around the base, for example, vendors aren't allowed to sell alcohol in certain places so that there's sort of, the soldiers become concentrated in these little areas which are just, you know, filled with bars. And um, some of the older soldiers who've been around for a while, you know, they don't really like to hang out in that area. Um, but I think the uh, there's a general sense that, um, you know, if one service member does something wrong, for example, assaults someone, um, you know, that's probably the most common example, they all get punished, Mm -hmm. and the entire image of the military is affected. Um, And so they, they really do, I mean, just based on these conversations, I think it's hard for them to integrate, and they're very worried about being misperceived. Um, They don't have a lot of investment in the community. Is there anything else you can say about the... uh broader reorganization of the USFK? One interesting thing that I've found is that there isn't a lot of publicly <laughs> it's not a lot of publicly available information, number one, which has made research difficult. Um, and also some of the bases up north that are meant to be closing um, aren't actually closing down. They just have now sent deployed troops up there. And I think it's, they, they call it, the, the base reorganization will be situation dependent. So when things cool down on the border, maybe they can, you know, actually close some of the installations. But there are, you know, protests about this up, up in Dongducheon especially. I want to talk about that. So yeah. the citizens in Pyeongtaek and Dongducheon, like, they're used to having uh, 
the military around. Yes. Um, how have they reacted to having an expansion, uh, a proposed expansion of the base, as well as the economic development? Um, What's your sense of that? I, I think I could speak better about Pyeongtaek. Um, it's actually really interesting. I, I attended... Um, a public meeting recently, you know, with various community leaders talking about the um, base expansion, um, all in Korean, so I only caught like 70% of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's was, it was quite a hard, hard topic. Um, but it is interesting, there aren't many people asking, you know, should the military be here at all? Um, this is supposed to be a community debate, community forum discussion, you know, open conversation. So what did they talk about? They just talked about the ways in which they can maximize their own community benefit from the presence of USFK. Mm-hmm. So I saw, for example, a, prof- a presentation by a professor from Pyeongtaek University about you know, how we can become a hub or how Pyeongtaek can become a hub city and become a link to the global economy through internationalization. But, uh, you know, other people talked about how they wanted to create casinos and tourism zones and try to get the soldiers to live, you know, away from posts in the community in these, you know, new high-rise towers that are coming up at Godok International New City. But actually what I've found is there's no systematic way of integrating the social, I mean, integrating the soldiers into the broader life of the community, Um, you know, getting them to live in these apartments. I mean... Who's to say if they'll want to live there? Um, the community has had several generations to live side by side with a, a, a base. Right. Um, is this why they are focused on the uh, economic benefits and not uh, reacting in ways that other places, uh, I'm thinking on Jeju, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Okinawa in Japan, some places don't want a base around. <clears throat> so I'm just wondering why, why Pyeongtaek uh, doesn't have any sort of reaction to that. Um, there, I mean, there are, like, the Pyeongtaek Peace Center, I think, would be this, the, the place from which the strongest opposition is coming. So there are people, there are activists. There, there. Oh, absolutely. But a lot of that activism surrounded the dispossessions that happened in 2006 um, in order to create room for the base expansion in Daedori and uh, Daedori villages. Um but the activism tends to fixate or fo- not fixate, but focus on issues like noise from helicopters, crimes committed by soldiers. It's very specific complaints, um, which the U.S. military really tries to address. Well, some you know, some of it they try to address. Um, and it's, I think it's hard for the activists to, you know, in concrete terms, come up. With a really strong anti, you know, anti-imperialism isn't a good enough reason at the locality. They have to make a concrete case. You know, this is how this base is adversely affecting our community. It's the helicopter noise. It's the, it's the criminality of the soldiers, mm. um, pollute, environmental pollution, things like that. Um, but yeah, the vast majority of majority, um, you know, from the local vendor, the local vendors um, actually protested the Godok International New City Development because they think. Um, they're under the impression that U.S. soldiers will be living, you know, far away from where they're doing their vending, um, which probably actually isn't the case. But um, you know, it's it's you you, kind of, you start to see this sort of interest-based politics. It's not you know pro-American or anti-American. It's just 
different groups, like different construction companies, you know, arguing about who's going to get the contract or who's going to get, you know, the apartment complex where the Americans are going to live. It's that kind of conversation that's happening. And maybe, you know, it's a kind of way of deflecting from this bigger question of whether the military should be there at all. I, or maybe... Is this, a, is this a post-imperialism kind of imperialism, though, where, like, the people being <laughs> occupied don't recognize it as an occupation, and the people doing the occupying don't see themselves as an occupational force? I, you know, I, I would have to look up the technical definition <laughs> of occupation. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the U.S. has an agreement with ROK. You know, there's a status of forces agreement under which the whole thing is governed. But um, it is funny. It's, it's like... Um, let me put it this way. Militarism could be coming synonymous in a certain way with development. And it's not just camp town development. It's a much, much broader kind of development, which you know, comes from you know, this sort of neo-developmental tendencies we see everywhere in Korea. And that is something new that I haven't seen anywhere else. And that, yeah. Bridget, you used uh, the word cascading to describe the relationships mm. before, and you've also used the word imbricated in your writing mm. uh, to describe the relationship between American imperialism and development in South Korea. Mm. So what's the definition of this word imbricated? Oh, I think you wrote, I have it written down. So You have it written down right there. It's yeah. Tiled. Uh, arranged yeah. so they overlap like roof tiles. Right. I thought that's such a lovely way of describing the twinning of uh, imperialistic interests and development interests. You know, and actually, I can, I'm able to say that because a wonderful paper came out, and I think it was 2004, by Jim Glassman and, and uh, Young Jin Che, who's a professor at, here at SNU, um, which talks about construction contracting and basically how they focus on the Hyundai case and how Hyundai developed um, in a big way through its wartime construction contracting in Vietnam, but also in Thailand and also in Guam. Um, and then it came back um, and started building building South Korea, like quite literally. Um, but so, that, so that's one way in the construction industry, which is a huge chunk of what, how the Chabels developed, by the way, um, grew through its relationship with, with U.S. imperialism. And we see that same kind of relationship continue today. I mean, the base itself, it, you know, it's Daylim, it's SK, it's Samsung. All of these companies are building the actual base itself. But what's new is um, this sort of, yeah, cascading effects or all of these... Um, lacks um, the easing of restrictions or the subsidies that the central government has given um, Pyongyang. So these are these are sort of the indirect effects of accepting the base, but still we see militarism and urbanism connected. Um, but it's not just the construction co- contracting story that we have seen before, although that is continuing as ways or as well. So it is Im- it's still imbricated. But they're starting to intertwine in new and unexpected ways through these different regulatory and planning regimes, which you know you haven't seen before. So, what are your goals in the time you have remaining uh, <laughs> in in uh, in Pyeongchang and in South Korea? Um, well, I'm actually I've only got like a week left for this trip. Um, You're heading home in a week. Well, I'm going to 
I'm going to Europe. And, uh, I sound very fancy, don't I? I'm going to Europe uh, and uh, going back to California for a couple of weeks. Um, and in the fall, I'm actually going to be a visiting researcher at the Korean Research Institute for Human Settlements. So I will actually have access at that point to the statistics and to the maps, uh, you know, all of the data that the central government has, um, at least that that think tank has. Um, so that's that's their sort of um, that's their main territorial planning think tank. Um, so I will be able to give much more precise answers <laughs> to all of these questions, you know. So I'll be working there until January. Um, on this and continuing this project. Bridget Martin is researching the links between militarism and urbanization in South Korea. She is a grad student at uh, UC Berkeley. Thanks for speaking with the Korea Fund. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You can find new episodes of The Korea File on iTunes and Stitcher and as a feature contributor at koreafm.net, koreabridge.net, eslrok.com, and blogtalkradio.org. If you like what you hear, like us on Facebook. And please leave a review of the show wherever you subscribe. It'll help new listeners discover the show. Then, check back here on October 28th for a live performance and interview with Seoul indie band Used Cassettes. Until then, thanks for listening. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, I'm Andre Gouda. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.